Wagwan people, Kilod Shele, what's going on? We are. What's black? Tune in with us every Wednesday where we unpack the meaning of black. I'm Alicia. I'm Delapo. I'm Leanne. And we're all from London. Thanks for joining us in season one where we shine the spotlight on black as a racial identity. Covering its origins all the way to its present day use and understandings of the term. And we explore this through social commentary and more. everyone welcome to what's black though podcast um today we bring you yet another topic today we are discussing the theme of black is drum roll please <laughs> enslaved i don't have a drum or a roll i apologize for cool <laughs> we make it work black is enslaved is the topic for today and this is just based on which you may have come across so far it the docu-series soon to be released depending on where you are but definitely in the uk um hosted by samuel jackson and afua hirsch on sort of samuel jackson tracing his roots mm. to slavery um and as you all know black history month is fast approaching and we just thought it would be a really good topic to get into, um, just to unpack why do we often talk about slavery when we talk about black history? So yeah, let's get into this, guys. Yeah, I mean, I'm ready. I'm always ready, always ready, always ready. More than 12 million Africans were enslaved and trafficked. More than 2 million of our ancestors died at sea. The ocean holds stories that haven't been told. This is ground zero for the whole transatlantic slave trade. The story of the slave trade is world history. It's not something unique to America. It was a worldwide phenomenon. About the docuseries, how do you feel about it? So obviously you haven't watched it yet due to watch it, but I definitely was pumped up after watching this uh, trailer. Um, naturally, I'm curious to know how you guys feel about this, but naturally every time October comes around, because obviously that's Black History Month in the UK, in America it's February, but every time it comes around in, in the UK, I do feel, I feel excited to know that the focus would be on sort of my ancestors, my cultural legacy. Mm. But I also feel a bit anxious because I'm just, to keep it all the way 100, I'm kind of just tired of reliving the trauma and the pain through the retelling of sort of slavery, the mm. transatlantic slave trade, the suffering and the injustices that are still um, not, not um, dealt with or not, not the injustices that happen to this very day. It's not comfortable for mm. me. Mm. So I'm, I'm excited to watch this. Um, and I think he offers a new and a different insight into it. You know, looking at those who didn't make it on the slave ships, those who actually died at sea. But mm. isn't that going to cause trauma for some of you guys? Like, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I'm not too fussed on the trauma thing. I'm, I'm, more, I'm more fussed about, like, I feel like there's certain narratives within the black, quote-unquote, um, history that is retold and retold and retold. So mm. even when we look at our education system, we mm. hardly get to know about 
the blacks con- black people's contribution to the world other than through the world other than through the lens of slavery mm-hmm. and maybe the civil rights so it's like i try and under- i'm trying to understand now like the same okay it might be a slightly different narrative but the same topic again and again and again and again labeled as black history like mm. what is the what, what is it for is it because if it's to educate i feel like everybody knows that there was slavery um if it's to if it's to reinform like who will we reinforming and why so it raises mm-hmm. a whole lot of questions it's good anti-afwa i rate you thank you um she's got another she's got another documentary out as well called like african renaissance which i found quite um interesting but like mm-hmm. when it comes to the whole slave thing there i'm just like we it needs to be we need to be talking about these things but how how many times are we going to talk about it mm, question though like when you say um like re-educating everyone surely like the same rhetoric of slavery happened and all the atrocities that happened during slavery, surely it's taught over and over again to sort of um, make sure that even younger people going into education are learning about it. So to us at this point, we old, so it's, it's repetitive, but people like my sister, for example, she's nine. She came home yesterday and was like, Oh, today I learned about Nelson Mandela. And it was like, it was opening up a whole discussion just about, well, I guess black history is painted as, as very negative anyway, but mm. it allowed us to open up the discussion and sort of talk about it in our homes um, and sort of be like, okay, it's not just what you're taught in school though. It's also all of these other beautiful things as well. So is it to say that we should completely sort of ignore that part of our history just because it's repetitive to us, whereas mm-hmm. to younger generations, this is something brand new that they've not actually, um, they've, they've not actually come across. I hear that. Mm-hmm. Now my, uh, I don't, I'm not trying to even play devil's advocate here, but now I'm trying to think, okay, what role, so what role mm-hmm. or what, pos- what positive things do you think comes from you now knowing that? you you either derived from slaves or mm. your or the group in which you identify yourself with has a very is has a very is has a very strong link to slavery mm. I don't, and i'm trying to think okay cool growing up it was good for me to know mm-hmm. but did it in terms of how in terms of how it um helped in terms of how it uh, identified or grew with my identity, mm-hmm. did it bring anything positive from that? Or did it bring some sort of like, did it continue that, that sense of othering? Mm. I guess to answer that question though, you have to look at your life now and look at whether or not it's impacted you in a way that's motivated you towards change. Because mm. it's like, it's easy to say, okay, it's going to have a negative impact to keep on hearing this rhetoric. But mm. it's because that we were, we're, we're always being taught this, that we've come together today to just be like, actually, do we need to, like, do we have to have this conversation all the time? It's actually brought us together as, as people who don't really know each other like that, but to have that conversation. And the question is like, would we have had that before if we weren't tired of, of the repetitiveness of it? So sometimes it, it can sort of stir or motivate some sort of positive change. Mm just just a thought but 
Let me know what you think about it. Um, I mean, I do hear what you're saying. I think mm-hmm. I can see it from both angles. Mm-hmm. Um, I came across something online that said, um, when you start with slavery, so when mm-hmm. you make reference to black history and you start with slavery, you're actually starting with pain. Mm-hmm. And you're starting as if the story of black people started with slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, and then it goes on, for many of us in the black community, that lack of awareness or understanding of our ancestry has really been lacking. So I think those are kind of, those points are covering the two sides of the argument. It's important to hear the ancestry that is uncomfortable, the stories of our, of our past that are uncomfortable. Mm. But it is it's undeniable that it can cause pain to many, especially when that pain hasn't been, there hasn't been any kind of official legal redress for that pain. You know, Mm. I I don't know if you guys watched that BBC One documentary where they uncovered the compensation that was played out to the slave owners in the UK. Yeah, Yeah, it's David Saga. Bro, it's hurtful. What's been the legal redress and follow up from that? Yeah. So So I think it's okay to bring the story up again, but it's only comfortable and it can only ever be comfortable or somewhat more comfortable because this story will never be comfortable, but it can only be somewhat more palatable and easy to swallow. If there's a full ending and there's a compensation that comes at the end, it needs to be a happy ending. Even Disney, you watch Disney at the end, there's always a happy end. There's no happy ending to this story. Mm. And I'm not trivializing slavery to a Disney film, but I'm saying it's a legacy that still has, has real, structural tangible effects this very day like the fact that i'm even having this conversation with you guys in english is one byproduct of the slave trade Mm. you know the fact that we're even here so to to relive the story without there being any justice um for the victims is is really hurtful it's too much trauma bro so you're already on this uh reparation vibe whoa listen that is my word i would tattoo on my body if i could but no. some, um, sorry, off the back of that repara- reparation vibe, sorry, and this might sway a little bit away from what we're talking about, but um, do you happen to um, know of the marches that take place every year in August from Brixton mm-hmm. to uh, Parliament, I believe? Um, yeah, do you happen to know of them, one, and two, yeah. do you think that they're useful in terms of the times that they take place and what people are marching for. Well, tell no. us. Tell us, yeah. So um, every year on the, I want to say it's early August. I haven't been in two years, so problems. Um, so I can't actually remember the date. It tends to always be on, let me, let me actually look into my calendar. Um, but it's a march basically from Brixton, um, to Parliament Square. I want to say it's Windrush Square. Is that space in in Brixton in front of the Ritzy Cinema? Mm-hmm. Um, and there tends to always be like a huge turnout um, of people, and it's it's basically a reparations march. So we march from one location to another location, and then there's a few speeches, and there's always a call to action in front of Parliament. Um, and every year, without fail. Uh, we get a statement released by the prime minister at the time um, that often says, listen, we're not, we're not going to pay you men reparations in it. We acknowledge what happened, but you're not going to get money for it. Um, but that doesn't stop or deter people from marching. And oftentimes you do get support from people who live in the vicinity. So there's often 
there's a few there's a few white faces there um which i actually think is is beneficial because then we're all a united front sort of marching um there are of course people that don't understand why we're marching and they just think it's just some carnival thing um because it tends to be really loud like medieval horns and whistles and all of those things there um also, great space for any Black-owned businesses to sort of sell their merchandise, just letting you know. Um, but yeah, it takes place every year. And there are some arguments uh, that it's not necessarily beneficial because what happens is we march during a, a time when Parliament actually aren't even in their seats. They're not, they're not there because it's summer. So while they're in their Venice and their Barcelona, their Greece, we're in the cold streets of England asking for reparations and I just wanted to like sort of get your view views on on sort of marching for reparations or even asking for it um I think it's a waste of time you do interesting why yeah I think it's getting to that's that's a strong thing to say but I think I think I'm tired of, and I, I think this is something recently, right? I'm tired of, I'm tired of putting my identity around something that simply just means oppressed. And I think, mm. I think if you start looking at the, if you start looking at the the chances of reparation actually happening, versus the time that people are actually spending marching for reparations really and truly what the march then just comes about is nothing about reparations is like yeah we were all oppressed and you're marching about your oppression and nothing actually has come of it so i don't mm. know i'm trying to move away from an identity which is simply miss it um simply just means oppression and i think Yan made a point again like it would be it would be ludicrous for me to not admit or understand my history um again me being from continental African sort of roots, there is there's still a link. There's still a link there. It might not be as direct, but like it'll be ludicrous for me to not understand that and accept what's happened. But I get to a point now. I'm just tired of being like, this has happened. This has happened. That's happened, mm. and I'm impressed. And I don't know if that's just a thing of denial, or if it's a thing of actually. I can see how other, other communities um, are able to just go about their lives. Mm. Um, that's, that's just me. Mm. I've got a question for you both, based mm-hmm. on what's just been discussed. So I've got here a quote that talks about how, as I just mentioned, starting with a story of slavery when making reference to black history is almost starting with the story of pain. Mm-hmm. Another element to this is it's also starting with a story from white gays to an extent, because it kind of says, here's a story about your black history when you were oppressed, just following yes. on from Jalapa's point, and where, we, where you were the downtrodden and you were the down and out and we were superior and we're going to relive those stories in school. In fact, no, 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 we're going to put it in the curriculum. Mm-hmm. You go learn a day. You're going to learn about it. You're going to mm-hmm. retell it. And then you're going to acknowledge that the white English people were responsible for helping mobilize with the Emancipation Act and, abol- and abolishing slavery. And, and then we go away with this great superior image and basically this white savior complex. 
of we get we go away with this superior image of white people and they have this superior and um, white savior complex my issue is why are we not starting with um why do we not start our black history or retelling our black history from an african perspective why do we not pick and cherry pick ultimately parts of african history that are uplifting and positive i don't think i would call that denial i would call that survival i think yeah. there's only so much that someone's psyche can take and someone's self-esteem can take to relive stories of them being the down and out the trodden and coming from that background or ancestral legacy it's about time surely that we become the authors and the narrators of our stories and we set the the script we say what is to be discussed and and what we choose is positive and uplifting mm -hmm. um so whilst i'm in favor of you know rallying and lobbying for reparations i am very hyper aware of how it can affect um how i see myself mm. and just playing into that negative story that i'm really trying to get away from and i don't think is conducive or helpful in this present day mm. so I what's your yeah what's your thoughts on an african narrative for black history i think that's a, that's a positive. i think obviously like this is this is something we should be working towards as a community but i also feel like in order for it to to work effectively as, a, as like a a plan that can be put into motion we need to be the ones in control of the educational the rhetoric that we're putting out there and in order to do that we have to build our own educational establishments because without it all we're doing is asking hey could you could you maybe tell our children about these great aspects of black history and mm. having to ask for things like that you're allowing yourself to be dismissed in the same way as we're asking hey can we get reparations and they go no we could be like hey could you tell the positive narratives of our stories and they can be like no so yeah yeah no i agree i, I agree so i think you're you've made a valid point that actually in order to be in order, in order to be in control of the narrative, we have to be in positions of power and people aren't going to give us that power. We have to create spaces where we can have that power for ourselves to be able to create those narratives. I think mm. the question that, the thing that I have with that is whether or not like, are we going to then create this whole like, we, were all, we are all kings and queens um, narrative or is the objective to try and be like, actually, you know what, like, we every culture has their contribution that is rich to this to this world and which includes quote unquote black people um and i think mm. i think there's a fine line between creating a fairy tale of who we are and actually mm. actually creating the sense of like self-worth and a sense of like equality um to everybody else as well what do you mean by creating a fairy tale? So, like, there's this. Uh, I get what you mean. Black is king. Yeah, it's like yeah. <laughs> Disney. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's black. Black is king is one example. To an extent, as well, like even Black Panther, um, all these things that sort of send, sell us like it's not they're not real. <laughs> they're not they're not necessarily real, and it gives us this thing like particularly diasporans this like false sense of what Africa actually looks like. And actually, like mm. this, how we can also be part of this, this, this story. Mm. 
So imagine, imagine, imagine the only thing you know about Africa is what mm. they've told you, but it's just like, it's not real. It's just like you're, king, you're kings and queens. You go to Africa with that, that, that perception mm. and you, get, you just get pissed off when you get there because that's not, that's not the true reality. That's not the true reality of it. So that's what I'm saying in terms of like, is it, there's a fine line between reality and being like, actually, yes, it's true. Like, um, if you do go, if you go to, if you do go to Mali, you will see great architecture that's been there for for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, mm. And you'll see various things throughout Africa, which shows that actually we haven't, we've, we've been curators of knowledge, um, mm. not as well as just, um, which isn't necessarily something that we're told. Um, mm. But then this whole narrative of like, we're all kings and queens, it's very easy to sort of get lost in the source. Get lost in that source. Mm. Yeah. Following on from that point, actually, Delapo, because Delapo just said about, Delapo just spoke about how when a black person or an African diasporan person has the authority or power to tell the story, and that story is a positive one, it can be somewhat in it's somewhat different from the truth so it could sell a fairy tale that's not true it's not a reflection of real life africa but similarly and arguably the slave trade is a story that has been spun and isn't told in its truest sense and an example of some of the recent truths that were never really told was the bbc um documentary that spoke about the abolitionists payout their compensation and maybe is that the white narrative on slavery does paint the black ancestor as the down and out the trodden the slave the subjugated the one who was dunce and just was the white man's commodity mm. there's a quote here from someone that says as a historian i've always felt that slavery is an african-american success story because mm. we found ways to survive to preserve our culture and our families slavery is also ripe with heroes such as slaves who ran away or rebelled like harriet tubman or denmark vesey but equally important are the forgotten slave fathers and mothers who raised families and kept a people alive. I am not embarrassed of my slave ancestors. I am in awe of their strength and their humanity. Question, how do you guys feel about that? Is it that we just need to put a positive spin on a history that actually did happen, it was true, but it's just that when it's told from a white gaze or white perspective, Black people always be presented as the down and out and trodden. So is there more, is there a positive way to tell the story of slavery? And is that what Samuel D Jackson is actually doing in Enslaved? So yes and no. So, because I was thinking about this, as we were talking, I was thinking about this, but I also feel like alongside with this whole thing about like resilience and strength, I think these are also tropes that have been used in, again, from a white lens to sort of exploit black people does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about resilience, we're talking about strength from a medical perspective. Um, I'm trying to think of the studies now, but um, in, a, oh, in a, go on. Black women most likely to die mm -hmm. in child labour. Yeah, yeah, that thing, things, things like that in terms of um, and that pain resistance that um, yeah. black people are tend to have, be able to um, to take more pain and things like that. So I'm like, I understand the resilience part of it. But it's also about how resilience has also made us being be seen as less human in a way as well. Yeah. So even when we yeah. are taking those like commodified. Aspects, yeah. It's like, okay, yeah, bro, like they're resilient. So so are 
so, so are gorillas. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Very yes. more pain. So it's like, I get it. And I would, I almost said this earlier, but, um, and I was just thinking about it, but then that thought came into my mind of actually is even us trying to turn it around still something that is almost justifying what we've gone, like mm. what, we've, what we've gone through. And what and, we're still going through. Yeah, um, exactly. And how that plays into how we're deemed and seen today. Mm. That's deep. That's a techie one. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, even, like, there's nothing you can do. Okay. Now, so, like, exactly. I was just about to say, does it no, sound like you've got an unquenchable first then? Because Beyonce can't do the Blackest King, and then we can't do the resilient slave that almost made it but didn't make it so what can we do question where can we go if you can go where can we go question though like what would you what would you prefer though would you prefer um, being told all the time that you are resilient and these are all the things that you had to overcome or would you just prefer to sort of brush everything under the, the rug is that the same? Sweep? Sweep it under the rug. Bruv, you can sweep and brush with the same tool. Anyway, yeah. would you but prefer I'm... to like, overlook it and pre- pretend that nothing happened and that we're not coming from like a long way or to be like, do you know what? No, yeah, we did come from a long way and we're still acknowledging that we're, we're traveling. We're still traveling. We're still trying to get out of that place. All right. So I, he- I hear that, but like, I'm looking at like other communities for instance and I, if you for instance the first thing that came to my head was like the irish community mm. um and they've been through a lot mm, but it's true. like whether it's whether or not their existence is based on the fact that they've been um they've been oppressed by the british isles what to an extent they are but i don't think it's to the same extent um mm. do you know what i mean like i feel like our whole existence as black people is like yeah like oppression um so i don't know is that maybe because we haven't come out of that space yet what do you mean by what do you mean space yeah so is it a question that like yeah yeah, yeah. if we came out of that if we weren't oppressed anymore if racism wasn't a thing if we wasn't being hit politically economically socially structurally all of them things there if we had come to a place where we're we've overlooked that then would would it still be a problem but that's true. Do you know what I mean? Like because we're not out of it. Yeah. But yeah, maybe is that why? Mm. But for me, it's like the chicken and the egg sort of scenario. It's like what's mm. going to come first? Mm. Is it the way that I view myself, mm-hmm. and the way that ugh, it's a bit mad? It's a bit mad what I'm saying because at the same time, you can't ignore like, exactly. You can't ignore life experiences. Mm-hmm. You can't ignore the fact that actually you are treated differently within these countries, and you are somewhat. <laughs> due to the colour of your skin there are there are consequences for that but at the same time I'm like I'm a bit tired <laughs> no I hear it oh, but I like both. I yeah, wonder both. if it's because we're still going through it that yeah. we have to keep talking about it and I wonder if that's like a, a factor at play here because if it was something that it happened quite in the past and we can look back and be like oh yeah that did happen but look where we are now then we wouldn't we wouldn't have this, this conversation even. But because we're not out of it, we still have to reflect 
on it because things do need to change and we need to see where the problems were and where they are now see that they're still similar even though they're not they're not exactly the same we're not in chains but we're still i guess so the question to me would be what is the problem and Mm. is the problem the fact that like that like um we are treated differently or is Mm. a problem why we are treated differently that makes any sense Mm. so in terms of in terms of why we are treated differently is due to skin colour and mm-hmm. like black versus white. And if mm-hmm. that's the issue, is it more about addressing okay, you can't live in a I'm gonna I was gonna say, is it more about addressing the fact that actually there isn't much difference between uh I'm 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 about to say something mad in the sense I'm questioning myself is that do we need to almost live in a post racial society in order mm-hmm. to actually solve this problem? Or do we need to focus on our differences? Explain what you mean by post-racial quickly. So, like... Well, what do you understand from that? Like, what do you... When I say, when I say post-racial, it's like, almost... For, for me, yeah, so almost like... At, the, at this moment in time, the colour of our skin is a very big... Um, form of... Descri- a way of descri- describing someone. I'm not mm. only describing them as an individual but describing them as a community and then it's like actually do we need to move past that in terms of describing people based on their attributes um and my question yeah that's us yeah do we need to move past describing people based do we need to move past seeing ourselves as racialized beings is that what you mean that's essentially yeah that's essentially that and 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 how how do you say that relates to the um the retelling of transatlantic slavery and because the because, it, because just due to the fact that so as i said earlier like okay cool so i'm continental african Af- i'm a continental african right but i'm from west africa so there is definitely still a link to my heritage and slavery mm. but but not 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 as not not necessarily as much as someone that's from the caribbean or the or um or or what's it called americas yet alone when we're talking about black quote unquote black people who are from east africa or like zimbabwe who weren't Mm. necessarily affected by the transatlantic slavery like that but because we are all we are all put under this basket of blackness it becomes all our heritage and becomes all our culture so even if it hasn't actually been something that has directly affected you just be, mm. due to this, how we racialize everybody, it then becomes your your burden, so to speak. Yeah, but I I want to draw on a quote that Afua Hirsch said actually, yeah. um, based on what you just said. She says, or rather, someone says in this series, it's the human, it's a human history, it's not a yeah. black history, um, and whilst it may not directly affect you, seventeen million people were murdered. Mm-hmm. It was equivalent of a genocide, if you think about it. It was and a it genocide. Was leg- it, it was legitimized. And yeah. I'm not, I don't want to quote because I'm not too sure, but I'm sure it was the largest, largest transatlantic um, expedition of that time, recorded mm-hmm. to that date at that time. So, and, it, and the commercial and economic impact of it um, is unprecedented. So whilst it may not have a direct impact to say 
a white person or a white person who doesn't have a lineage of a slave master or a continental African even, it still really affects the world that we live in to this very mm -hmm. day, not just in its physical makeup, but just everything, the language yeah. that we speak, the surname that I bear and carry, and even if it has a more intimate connection to me than it say does you, it's still a world problem. It was a world history and it hasn't had its justice, justice hasn't yet been served. Mm -hmm. um, so, but I do hear what you're saying. I think, um, I look, when, when we talk about subjects like this, I'm going to draw on two, two cultures. <laughs> the second one, we might just need to end the episode. So I'll start with the easier one. The Chinese, yeah? Mm. A lot yes. has happened to the Chinese by colonial and imperialist interventions. Mm. One of them was the Nanking or the Nanjing Massacre, which was in the 1930s. Mm. And it is the story that no one likes to retell in China. I've had experiences of it. But basically, in short, widespread rape, looting and murder and genocide essentially happened uh, for a period of six weeks in a what was the capital of China at the time, which was Nanjing. Mm. And it was a statement from the Japanese to say, look, we've posted up, what, what is it? They raped the women, they killed, they deca decapitated people, dismembered people, it was disgusting. And Chinese people will talk about it because they want you to know how horrible they perceive the Japanese and why and their perception of Japanese is justified. But they won't like to talk about it for too long. But yet we've got the Chinese being the fastest, evolving, economically powerful groups in the yeah. world to this very day. So you can still rise and still remember a history where you were the downtrodden. That's what that tells me. But is a 400 year of bondage and 17 million people murdered com story comparable to a six week massacre? That's mm. not me comparing the suffering, but just looking at the statistics of it all arguably it's not comparable and the, impact. Mm. They, yeah. and the impact the lasting impact and also the justice that potentially served although the Chinese will say the Japanese haven't actually formally um addressed their wrongdoing yeah the president said sorry but the Chinese said that's not enough so there's mm. still very much this hate within the the Chinese culture towards the Japanese the second example is a Jewish every year we're mm. talking about the holocaust the holocaust the peer yeah. list the Schindler's list I'm just gonna stop there. But I feel no. like because because they've they've moved past their atrocity, they're able to talk about it in a way that doesn't ne negatively impact them anymore. It's it's different, I think, for our community. But can I can I? Why do you think they moved past their? Why 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 were they able to move past? Just I don't know. Because I, I do I, think no. But I feel like they're not in the same space. And because we're still being attacked to left, right and centre, it's hard. It's, it's a difficult conversation to say that we shouldn't repeat the story because they repeat the story, but they repeat the story from a less emotional place because they don't still face the same yeah. level of, I guess, discrimination. I've got to disagree not... there. Go on. Go on. Because... I think I knew how to spell, I knew about the word anti-Semitic before I even knew that anti-blackness could be a phrase. I feel like Jewish people are still discriminated against to this day. And don't we know it? Um, you know, just look at the Labour Party and, and the, the, the response to the, some of the comments the Labour Party have made that people have perceived as um, anti-Semitic, even Wiley, right? But 
Mm. And you, you do see documentaries of people still crying and very much like emotional and hurt by the um, sort of Nazi Germany and its impact on their family legacy um, yeah. that they, they still remember because it was 1940. There wasn't too long ago, but yeah, I, so I still feel like it's something that causes a lot of pain still, but we do still talk about it a lot. Mm. But again, see, that's the thing. And that my thing is, is that the centre, and it, was, it would be worth asking, actually, is that, but would people, would the Jewish community see that as the centre of their identity? Mm. Whereas I might argue that the, the centre of blackness is oppression. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think that might be the difference. Um, somebody, if somebody thinks I'm, uh, the, the assumption I've made is wrong, like, I'm more than happy to hear, but I just don't think that the, even with the Holocaust, mm. I don't think that the centre of Jewish identity is oppression. Right. Mm. But is it I'd arguable agree. that the reason why it isn't is because it didn't last as long and it didn't have as much of an impact and arguably there's some form of compensation. They've got a whole state in the 1940s as a form of... That is why I actually asked the question and I wanted to bring it. I was like, hmm, does Leanne have a point about reparations there? Um, maybe so yeah there is there is maybe maybe that is part of closure per se yeah um, um, or, or to know that you actually have states back in that's mm. it and and maybe powerful states states that are power mm. I, I guess it's a question to you guys do you feel like if do you feel like black is enslaved up until the point where reparations are paid and there is some kind of closure to this story. Yes. And where, if there is no closure, then black will continue in concept to be, the dominant narrative behind blackness will be this story of oppression, which was the transatlantic slave trade and its mm. lasting legacy to this day. So would reparations, yeah, solve the problem? I think it and would because it would close a chapter. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. this bad thing happened. This is what we did to make up for it. Mm. And that's it. You know what's interesting now? Because when you guys need, say, reparations, initially I was thinking, okay, you know what? Like individual reparations. Um, but even, even, even from a, a place of like, from states, from a state level of mm. like investment, like actual like investment in, in specific like countries, and there's no, and it's literally as a form of reparation. Mm -hmm. um, which can benefit those places I think the view of how people will view particular like even African countries or in particular um, countries that were directly affected by the slave trade so like the Caribbeans yeah. the view that people might have of Africa as a whole or black people as a whole might change because it would be it, it could help to change the story of poverty that we, I think we still see you still see the rest of the world. That's how they view blackness. Is lit. That's what I mean. It's, yeah. Uh, Let's be so honest. Maybe it's like, a good thing. Reparations just needs to be there to reconcile the economic imbalance that we've been left with. Is to think that we get individual reparations. That's that's childish. Like to think, okay, cool. I'm gonna bust everyone fifty pounds. Childish. But invest in some Caribbean com uh, companies, Caribbean countries just rebalance their economy, stabilise it. Do you know what I'm mm. saying? Stabilise some African economies 
and then we can talk in it then no, then we can no, close the chapter no caveat clauses as well please no APR, 5.6%. No payback with interest. Yeah. The point is, mm-hmm. you've, you left us in a deficit. Correct it. And that's yeah. it. And then we can close the chapter. Then you can keep on telling us what happened. But do you know what you did? You, you paid the reparations. So we're cool now, isn't it? Like, you don't owe someone something and you act cool, but you keep telling them, oh, yeah, remember I borrowed £50 from you. But you haven't given it back. <laughs> so I've that's, that's true. So are um, we comfortable to stay with the idea that black is black is enslaved in concept? And are we comfortable to stay stay with that identity, or because we oh. feel like it's a reminder for the compensation that we're due? Mm. So I think this is my this is my I think this is this is this is the conundrum that I'm in in it. So like. Mm. Let me think. Let me th- let me think for a sec. But let me get let me get my my words together. But um, he wasn't ready. <gasps> sure, I just realised you didn't flip anything today. I was just about to say that you didn't flip anything today. We've we've not sure. been. To be fair, anything. he did play devil's advocate, so I guess that's flipping it. He just didn't say he's flipping it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's and, just not the same. I got there first, isn't it? The thing that I could have flipped and the Afro flipped already. Um, but yeah, like in terms of like this whole enslavement thing, I think there is blackness and oppression are so like intertwined mm-hmm. that I think it's difficult to it's it's difficult to separate them. So even when so like you, you even get today, right? You even get today, right? So like if you speak to somebody that's literally came to this country, let's say they were 10 years old, 11 years old. Shout out to a girl called uh, one of um, uni friends, Rumbi. She mentioned this as well in uh, one of in her podcast. Um, she said that like she didn't know she was black. She, she didn't know she was black until she got here. Mm. And the same, same with, if you take it back historically, that the first time that quote unquote black people or people of African descent knew that they were black was when... <laughs> <laughs> was when they left Africa um, mm. out of their own will. Do you know what I mean? So mm. the blackness and um, enslavement are so like intertwined that like, I don't think you can get rid of it. So I think black does sort of mean enslaved, but it's whether or not I want to attach myself, attach myself all the time to an identity which just in its in, in its core essentially just means enslaved i think you made a really good point just then the the really key takeaway for me from what you just said was all the time and i'm a real advocate of using your identity and the identity labels as your almost like your talismans you know like your superpowers you your pokemon cards you pick and choose you use them as and when you need to (laughs) so maybe when we are in the court and we are having a conversation about reparations black is enslaved i am black yes Mm. And that's not that's not me not taking what is mine. That's not turning up and getting discount that I weren't entitled to or extending uni days when I graduated a couple of years later before. That's me getting the compensation that I'm entitled to and my family's, my children's 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 children who will still be feeling the effects. But I think, is it every day that I need to wear that label of black, which is equated to or cognate of enslaved? Is it every day when I'm 
you know, standing up and I'm, I don't know, do my nine to five, am I black? Is, is it necessary to talk about that? Or am I black when I'm at my family dinner with my friends and family? So I think it's about sort of deciding when to use the labels and understand what those labels mean, the purpose of those labels and, and using them in those correct circumstances. What do you guys think? It's about being strategic for sure. You've got to use the, the term to identify strategically. You know, there's some spaces where it might be called for, like you said, the courtroom. I might have to draw on that, on that enslaved ancestry. <laughs> but in a day-to-day... Do you not know, sorry, sorry, finish, sorry. No, 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 go on. No, I, I think it's funny as well, because in terms of, like, whiteness, right, I don't think white people walk around seeing themselves as white. I think the only time that they might see themselves as white is if they're filling in that form. Mm. They're filling in, the, what's it called, one of them diversity form things, and they're thinking, you know what? And consensus forms. <laughs> the consensus mm. forms. <laughs> that, might be, that, that might be the only time or where they think that, actually, you know what, if I say that I'm white British, whether or not it's true or not, but like, if I say I'm white British, it might work in my favour. And actually, maybe that in its, I, I admit, no, I just thought that, as I actually thought that actually, actually do agree with what Leanne had said as well, that actually we do need to be a bit more choosy of what we identify with, because actually, blackness is not the only identity that I hold. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I am... I was born in the West is another, is another identity and actually is a sense of privilege that Maybe I don't, I'm not, I don't necessarily, I'm all, like always aware of, or yeah. even, the, even the fact that man was born in, not born, man grew up in the suburbs. Man's mm. got a postcode of WD and that. But do you know what okay. I mean? Like, okay, <laughs> Loki flex. Flex. Right. Okay. No one knows what it means. If you get what I'm saying, it's like there's certain, there's certain identities that I can attach to that will, or the way that will make me view myself mm. um, based on the back account eh? mm. sorry go on <laughs> will benefit me in particular areas and actually you said the same thing Alicia it's about being strategic yeah everything nowadays has to be about being strategic you know you've got to yeah. choose a time and a place and I think ultimately what we've unfleshed in this conversation that other people within our community probably haven't done is the idea that black is so heavily intertwined to the concept of enslavement and oppression. Um, and I think it's a having that consciousness being the first step, right? Consciousness of what black actually means to the wider and more dominant like voices and powers that be, right? Mm. And then understanding that if it means this, then I will use it in this circumstance and this circumstance, but I won't use it in this circumstance. Because I can have the power and I am the person that has the autonomy and authority to dictate who I am. Rumbi saying that she didn't know she was black until she got here tells me that someone else narrated her story for her. And Mm. I, I remember that experience as well. I remember someone literally constructing my blackness and this pseudoscientific attributes that make me black incrementally throughout the years of year one all the way to about year five I remember it was oh Leanne your hair's a bit like this oh your nose is like this and then and then at the end of year five I was a fully fledged black girl who was light-skinned then I got into <laughs> secondary school and I was a browning and I thought hold on mm. is it is it every day that my identity is going to be subject to or contingent on an external narrator or am yes, I going to be the, the, the David Attenborough of my own show let me narrate it mm. <laughs> 
That's true. That that deserves that. that, I rate that. I rate that. That's 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 so true. It's so true. Because the thing is, as well, is the description. The description in itself. If it was just, if the description was just a descriptive word, that's calm. But it's the things that come with that description, and you don't have control of that as well. So it's like you begin to carry, you begin to carry somebody else's. You begin to carry somebody else's burden that might not necessarily belong to you in the first place. Mm. Mm, yeah, like, do you want to close it, someone? Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, sorry. Oh, are you guys? Are you ready to close? Yeah, man. No, let's I mean, let's close. I feel like we came okay. to a natural pause. Yeah. So, like usually at the end of every episode, we just ask the same question. So yeah, Black I did is, that. Black is enslaved. Mm. Um, Leanne, you already did that. So, but like, let's just close in terms of. So, I think is it three? Do, are we all on the same? Can we answer yes or no? Yeah, yes or no. So, yeah. is black enslaved? Yes, strategically. <laughs> and Leanne, yeah. Yep. And the lap says yeah as well. So, that's the end of this episode. We call it a little wrap. And we'll be back shortly. Boop, 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 boop. Bye bye. In a bit. Bye. Bye.